Welcome to the Daily Thunder Podcast. We are back to basketball. I'm your very pumped host, Brandon Rabar, beat writer for DailyThunder.com. Every week we will have guests ranging from national sports writers and local reporters to OKC celebrities and Thunder staff and players. This week our featured guest is USA Today's national NBA writer and former Lakers and Warriors beat writer, Mark Medina. And we talked to him about the shift in perception of Chris Paul, LA's history with the Thunder, and adding Kobe to the GOAT conversation. I also chat with Daily Thunder contributor Logan Meyer about his recent articles breaking down the fan-voted top five best teams in Thunder history, the organization's knack for improving players on and off the court, and why everyone is down to Dort. Now, earlier today, the NBA owners voted 29 to one in favor of a 22-team return to hoops in Walt Disney World beginning July 31st. Now, the one team that voted against the Portland Trailblazers. I won't make a comment about how they only didn't vote for it because it was a little bit tougher than they wanted. I won't say that. Won't say that at all. So what's this mean for the Thunder? Well, it means that their draft pick is still up in the air. If they lose a bunch of games, they could possibly get the first round draft pick back. If they win a bunch of games, they could improve in the standings, maybe jump up to four, maybe jump up to three, possibly. You know, could stick in the five spot. Also means that the Denver draft pick that the Thunder own could get worse. Denver's got a pretty tough schedule over these next eight games because every team is only playing eight games. Uh, so the Denver draft pick can improve. Also, it means they could play anybody really besides the Lakers. Most probable would still be the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Clippers, and the Rockets. More than likely, maybe the Mavs. Some weird things would have to happen there. Um, so that's up in the air. But the good news is... The Thunder and they already clinched the playoff spot eight weeks before the playoffs begin. And uh, more good news is the Warriors are officially out and the Blazers are pretty much out. Let's be honest. So let's get to the show. We recorded these segments pre-announcement, but we cut out all the bits that weren't relevant anymore. Of course, that was all my best stuff. Just know that I said so many funny things that got ripped apart. That's, you know, what it is. And now, USA Today's Mark Medina. Joining us now on the Daily Thunder podcast, Mark Medina, NBA writer for USA Today. I'm really excited. He also used to write for the Warriors. Well, not for the Warriors. He wrote about the Warriors for the Mercury News. He's a former Lakers writer for the LA Daily News blogger, LA Times. You've kind of been all over the place. Basically, if it's uh, California hoops or just uh, NBA in general, Mark, you've been everywhere, right? Yeah, I mean, anywhere that's in California, right? So, I mean, uh, it's, it's been, I think, 12 years since I've been in California. So, I haven't left that state. But, yeah, there's a lot been going on in the NBA in that world. When you look at the Lakers, you know, whether they're a championship team or in the rebuilding years, uh, they're always going to be relevant. And then, obviously, the Warriors, uh, you know, being the latest NBA dynasty, there was never a shortage of uh, things to write about there. So, Thankfully, I've been able to tie all these things together, and now I'm one of their national writers, and I'm based on the West Coast doing some things, so it's been fun. 
And you do a great job. I appreciate you coming on here to talk with us. And, and, you know, talking about the Lakers and Clippers and Warriors, all these California teams have ties to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I want to talk about that later because there's a lot of Thunder ties to the teams that you've covered. But before we get to that, I think I would, you know, I got to bring up you being in L.A. and how L.A. County has been one of the hardest hit communities. And now it's one of the most uh, locked down communities. I know that you guys are projected to stay at home another three months. Uh, So one, just how kind of tough is it for you personally and and professionally, personally, how tough has that been for you there in L.A.? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously you'd like everything to be normal, but given the screwy set of circumstances, it's been as good as almost you could possibly be. I mean, I've been healthy. Family back east is healthy. I'm still employed. We're like uh, a lot of different businesses right now where, you know, especially the news industry has always been under duress with all the different business models. So there has been some furloughs here or there, but thankfully I'm still I'm still employed and still working. So, you know, I think given how severe this has been, um, it's uh, it's almost as best as it could be. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I, I have a lot of colleagues and a lot of people that I, I really consider friends that have either been furloughed or have lost their jobs in the media. So can't take anything for granted right now. I know that you you did a great story on Chris Paul for USA Today and kind of what he's doing during this entire coronavirus uh, shutdown. I- I'm curious because you've you were there when when he was with the Clippers, then he went to Houston and, and now in Oklahoma City. And it just feels like, and, and maybe I'm wrong because I have the perspective of being here in Oklahoma City, but it feels like his perception as a both a person and a player has has improved so much since coming to Oklahoma City. It kind of feels like people thought he was washed you know, as a player and that he might've been toxic in the locker room. And, you know, earlier in his career, it felt like, like CP three was beloved by, by all fans. Uh, then it kind of just seemed to go downhill from the Clippers and the Rockets and, and for whatever reason. And, and it feels like his reputation has been redeemed both as a player and a person here. How much of that do you just think is that him just being better this season, being healthy and how much do you think it is about the environment changing? Maybe, you know, maybe there is something to the OKC culture or maybe just being kind of away from other superstars and being the guy. What do you, how do you unravel all of that? Yeah, I think it's a mix of he's healthier and it's different circumstances. So, you know, just because, you know, he's had a really great year, but that does not, I don't think in any way diminish or all of a sudden erase what happened with the Clippers and the Rockets and the sale, oh, those things weren't things and they were overblown or misconstrued. I mean, he'd probably even be the first to admit it. Like he had issues with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan toward the tail end. You know, they didn't always see eye to eye in terms of, you know, how they want to play and their practice habits. He had issues with James Harden. Like those things are indisputable. Was it bad enough that it affected on-court play? I think that's a stretch, but there are issues at hand. But the larger thing is that, you know, a lot of teams can overcome that because you have really good talent and sometimes, you know, the method to the madness is worth it. And in Chris's case, uh, a lot of times during those years, it didn't become worth it because he was getting hurt. 
And so here this year, you know, he's been able to stay healthy. And I think to the point you made, you know, it's a different environment where, you know, yeah, you do want to give a lot of credit to, you know, Billy Donovan as a coach and Sam Presti for avoiding this whole rebuild when you lose, you know, Kevin Durant, you lose Paul George, you lose Russell Westbrook. But the reality is, I mean, he he came in like with as the obvious title as the guy, and he's trying to mentor a young team. So those dynamics are different. But the thing that you know, I, I would give Chris and frankly the Thunder a lot of credit is it. it th- there was a perception when this deal was made that um, this was going to be kind of a stopgap, and and Sam Presti would be looking to trade this deal for even more, you know, assets. And I'm sure that he had entertained those ideas. And frankly, some of those things didn't happen because of the the lack of interest from other teams. But I think even when you put that into consideration, um, there is something to be said that Chris bought in to, uh, you know, embracing being with the Thunder and really trying to help the young guys with their growth as opposed to looking at the organization as kind of a stopgap and he's going to be flipped at some point in the season. You know, I think the bigger thing is he's been able to be healthy. So when, when Chris Paul is healthy, he's able to be the kind of player that he's used to being. I'll tell you what, Chris Paul and Oklahoma city could kind of be a case study in the future for how being on a certain team can, can completely alter fans feelings because you know Chris Paul started in Oklahoma City with with the Hornets when they relocated uh with Katrina and you know people loved him here in Oklahoma City he kind of was OKC's first taste of professional basketball and people loved him then he goes to the Clippers and the Rockets which are hated teams for Thunder fans and and Thunder fans couldn't stand him his you know his flopping and his whining and things like that and now it took like one, two weeks into the season. Now he's completely adored by everybody in Oklahoma city. So it's, it's it's kind of a funny thing to, to, to see happen. And I'll admit I've, I've kind of taken that roller coaster as well with, with Chris Paul. Okay. So I I have you, I got to ask you, you know, covering the warriors and the Lakers and the Clippers, those teams have played an instrumental part in, in OKC's, recent history with losing the superstars that you mentioned, obviously Paul George to the Clippers, uh, Kevin Durant, obviously to the Warriors. Uh, There was a fear at one point that Russell Westbrook would go back home and play with the Lakers. So LA and the state of California have kind of acted as a boogeyman for, for Oklahoma (laughs) city fans lately. And I just wanted to get your perspective from that side of things. Like, like how do you view that, KD leaving and 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 going to the Warriors and and how do you view it from the side of you know maybe the California perspective how do people there see it and then how is it uh, perceived that the Paul George trade and the haul that the Thunder got like he kind of you know Kevin Durant received a lot of criticism for leaving uh, but Paul George even though his actions kind of led to the breaking up of of the Thunder as we knew it because it meant that Russell Westbrook left as well he kind of didn't get any criticism. Do you think that's because of the draft picks and the Hall, Shea, Gilgis, Alexander that the Thunder got back? Could you unravel just some of that? I know I just told you a lot, but, uh, but I'm really curious, you know, from an LA perspective on all these things. 
you know, I don't really look at it from an LA perspective. I'm looking at it from more of like a league perspective as also knowing, you know, how the, you know, other teams view it. Uh, and I certainly know how the Warriors feel with Kevin. I mean, look, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head on why fans might have looked at this differently with with Paul George and Kevin Durant, where maybe some of the frustration of losing Paul uh, was softened because they were able to get assets in return. And frankly, I mean, you probably know more than me, but at least from an outsider's point of view, there seemed to be kind of a point where Paul George and Russell Westbrook would only be able to go so far, right? Like, right. And so maybe in the long term, it's just better for them to make those decisions. And Paul kind of made that decision easier for them. I think obviously with Kevin, there's a lot in play and, um, you know, where there, there was criticism where he made different signals suggesting that he was going to be with the Thunder for a while. And, you know, he wasn't very communicative with given, you know, his former teammates a heads up that he was leaving and, you know, also just from a, a league standpoint of, hey, you're joining a team that had already won 73 wins uh, the year before. And, you know, as much as people want to equate this to LeBron going to Miami, it was a little bit different where, you know, LeBron was going to a team that didn't get to the finals until he got there. And he was also bringing people with him. Check out shopgoodokc.com to pick out a gorgeous hand-printed shirt. They have a daily Thunder collection featuring the sixth man of the year, DT logo tees, and a Together and Struggle print, which is also a part of the Solidarity collection that reps support for local businesses and the OKC community during the current crisis. Hi, this is Olivia Punchal, senior writer at Daily Thunder and co-host of our new show, Crossbolts. Tune into Crossbolts weekdays on Twitter and Instagram as Brandon and I debate everything from Thunder basketball to NBA fashion. Then chime in with your own opinion and let us know who won the debate. But let's be honest, it's probably me. Now back to the Daily Thunder podcast. Um, you know, there's been all this discussion now of, of Michael Jordan versus LeBron, who's the greatest of all time, and things like that. My final question for you, you feel like Kobe's been left out of that conversation because you're seeing this everywhere, MJ versus LeBron, MJ versus LeBron. Do you feel like Kobe should be in that conversation or no? Yeah, he, should, he definitely should be in the conversation. I don't feel like he's been left out of it per se. Um, you know, it kind of goes back and forth. But I think the thing, you know, this is this is what makes sports really fun. And this is why, you know, when you're at the barber shop or at sports bars, like these are things that you have discussions with your friends. But I think that the, these ongoing conversations of, you know, the legacy, it's gotten to the point because of social media and because, you know, our culture has always overreacted to like one segment of something that I think it's diluted like the overall appreciation for like everyone's own individual circumstances, right? Like on one hand, you know, no one can dispute that like Michael Jordan had like this maniacal, you know, competitive mindset. And, you know, he was looking out through the lens of, Hey, you want to, you know, rip your heart out. And so did Kobe. And, you know, I think sometimes that's used as a criticism 
for LeBron. But at the same time, you know, LeBron uh, figured out at a much earlier age uh, of how to empower and trust his teammates more to help them win, where it took more time for Michael and Kobe to figure that out. So maybe they had the scoring part and the maniacal competitiveness part figured out over LeBron, but LeBron had the how to bring everyone together figured out a lot earlier than they did. But then, you know, there's so many different circumstances of like the game was, was played differently. So in some respects, you know, MJ went through some struggles because of the fact that he was the lone guy and they had to wait for, you know, the supporting cast to elevate him a little bit and the Pistons were playing him physically. And so he bulked up where, um, you know, LeBron, like he was already a freight train. He didn't have to go into the weight room. So like he would have adapted fine in the previous era. And then with Kobe, you know, maybe he was blessed to be, you know, entering the league with a lot of young talent. Uh, so he won at a much earlier age than, than Michael and LeBron did. But, you know, he had to deal with a lot more stuff of also, uh, you know, having that tug and pull of like who's going to be the guy on the team between him and Shaq and dealing with kind of the up and down part of the roster being uneven. So I think because of that, the fact that we haven't, fully considered those set of circumstances the fact that hey lebron was judged in the social media era versus mj where like mj was you know as this documentary has shown was scrutinized with you know the gambling stuff and his father's passing but it, it wasn't through the social media lens right like so i think because of that it's hard to really say definitively oh this player's better than that player because they're dealing with so many different circumstances and so many unique circumstances that you can't really replace in terms of the way the game was played, you know, their personality and how they exerted their influence on the team and the roster construction. So the the comparisons are great, but I, I wish that there was more of an appreciation for like that player's journey and also an appreciation for when you're having these discussions, like knowing all these extenuating circumstances that make it hard to really have a right answer to that question. No, I love that. I, I just like, you know, you've, you've been around so many superstars and so many teams and you've covered the NBA uh, for so long and having so many great stories. I just, I appreciate you coming on. I know I kept you kind of long, but I was just fascinated in, in hearing you talk about the NBA quite honestly. So, uh, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. So uh, Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Joining us now on the Daily Thunder podcast, Logan Meyer, a contributing writer for Daily Thunder. So a, a colleague of mine. How are you doing, Logan? I'm doing great, Brandon. How are you, man? I'm well. I, I met you at the uh, Anthem Brewing uh, Daily Thunder watch party. Uh, which was a fun night. It was nice to meet you, man. Yeah, it was a pleasure, man. I I really enjoyed meeting everybody. It was a shame we got our tail absolutely handed to us by the Bucks that night. But besides that, it was a really fun time. So the reason uh, I wanted to get you on the show was because you've been you've been putting out work, man. You've been a uh, 
writing a lot of great articles for Daily Thunder, and we wanted to get to highlight your work. Um, I don't know where to start. I guess we'll start from the beginning. The very first uh, article you did, um, you, you'd kind of pulled and talked to different Thunder fans and, and try to, I don't know how you'd say it, like maybe take a poll on what was the most fun team, entertaining team, favorite team of all time, and kind of compared it to the current team. Tell us a little about about your uh, first article. Well, yeah, that was one of my favorite ones I did. I basically sent out a Twitter poll informal and was just like, hey, guys, let me know what your favorite team was and why in Thunder history, like what your five favorite ones were. And I said I didn't give a specific criteria. I was because some people are like, oh, I like this one because they had the best record of any Thunder team. So they were the best or this team was just the most fun or this team just had a different style. So I just I made it very open ended and just. And then I got a ton of responses. And basically the five I put on there were pretty much kind of what I I figured it would be. It was the first season we made the playoffs where we played against the Lakers when we were coming off that horrible season. And we went into the Lakers series and everybody kind of expected it to be pretty quick. But the Thunder put up a huge fight and surprised everyone and were a Pau Gasol tip in with 0.2 seconds away from going to a game seven with the defending champs who would become the champs again the year we made the finals obviously was kind of when it reached its peak the 11-12 season with the lockout starting on Christmas against the magic and just a whole bunch of just crazy stuff happened and that's when Thunder fandom just felt like it reached its zenith. And then the next season was also one of the favorite squads with the 2012-2013 season, which the Thunder were smoking people that year until a certain injury happened that is a trigger for many people. And the Russell Westbrook Now I Do What I Want World Tour MVP season was definitely one of the favorite ones. Yep. Just all the, the petty back and forth with KD and the Warriors and other teams. It was almost as fun, if not more fun off the court than it was on the court and people loved it. And the triple double counter, like wins are always the most important, but that became a close second to wins. And I think that season was so fun because, you know, the narrative got shifted from, you know, Katie left to the Warriors and the Thunder are, you know, they're screwed and you know, they're never going to win again and Russ is going to leave and all that stuff. It all got flipped on its head to everybody. Instead of talking about Katie and the Warriors domination, they were talking about Russell Westbrook's triple doubles and chasing history and winning MVP. And it was kind of cool because Russ became the hero and Katie honestly kind of became the villain. And it was really therapeutic for Thunder fans. Absolutely. It was the perfect um, season to happen at the perfect moment. Like if that season had happened at a different time, I don't think it would have been received as well or be cherished as much as Russell put his flag here. And he's like, you know, I'm going to give you all at least one more year to guarantee the relevance. And I'm going to stay here and pour my heart and soul onto the court and represent you and the team and the organization and just go out there and do my very best I can, and we'll live with the results. And he just did it 
to a plum and won the MVP and just it felt like Oklahoma City was was going to be okay. And that was huge for for Oklahoma City. That's that's exactly what Oklahoma City needed at the time. Everybody could breathe easier uh, because of what Russ did off the court by by re-signing and then on the court by becoming an MVP. It was it was just an incredible kind of magical year. Yeah, absolutely. And then the current team was actually the next on the most popular. This season has just been, I mean, even without this whole pandemic, which obviously has shaded the course of history forever. But even without that, the season has been just so bizarre for the Thunder. And Chris Paul and Shea had two of the highest percentages in the entire league for clutch rating. And Chris Paul, with a clear margin for number one, he was just automatic. And the three-guard lineup, the three Musketeers or the 3G or whatever you want to call them, I think they deserve a nickname. we got to come up with one. They've been just incredible. They've been Oklahoma City's version of the death lineup, so to speak, with the three guards and then Gallo and Adams at the five. And yeah, those just, when those five guys are out there, I mean they've they've been a dominating team. You know, the the depth isn't, you know, what you'd want it to be once you make it to the playoffs and and the reason why they'd struggle against, you know, the very top teams like the Lakers and Clippers and and Bucks, but their top, I'd even say six players because I'd include Nerlens Noel, that mm-hmm. that five you mentioned plus Nerlens, uh I mean that's Comparable to to any other team's top six, no matter you know what team you're looking at, even if they don't have the top end MVP talent on this team, it's just so solidly spread out amongst those that that starting or that closing unit. And I want to talk about a couple ones that are coming out. Uh, I know you got one coming out this Tuesday. Uh, speaking of you know the Thunder kind of developing players and and then becoming stars, you got some guys that maybe. You know, in other cities or with other organizations, didn't perform up to to par. But here in Oklahoma City, given the chance, they they've shined and maybe changed reputations off the court. Uh, you know, with Ennis Cantor, Nerlens Noel, Dion Waiters, and and you got an article coming up about that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I um, Oklahoma City, land of second opportunity or second chances, and it's it's about some of these guys. They haven't been stars, but they've come to Oklahoma City, whether they were a former high lottery pick that just didn't pan out in their city, or if they kind of had some murmurings of not being the best locker room guy, or they're just kind of just rubbed you the wrong way for whatever reason and just needed a fresh start. These guys have come to Oklahoma City and made the most of their opportunity and have done quite well. Jeremy Grant, I included as well. He wasn't a reputation or a locker room or anything problem at all, but he had he completely remolded his game when he came to Oklahoma City. So I included him as well. And and I think it speaks to a, a few things about the Thunder. They they've been great at developing talent from Scotty Brooks to to Billy Donovan, and of course you got to give a lot of credit to assistant coaches as well. But I think also just the culture that's been developed here in Oklahoma city. And, you know, that's go back to Russell Westbrook and even Kevin Durant, Nick Collison, those guys, they built a winning culture here and, and kind of a, 
for lack of a better you know word classy organization where you know everything's been high class and you know that of course stems from the top sam presti everything's been first class here and they believe in the culture and i think that they believe that you know if you take good guys or guys who maybe have you know tarnished reputations but but they see the good in them you know they they can work with that and they can mold that they can they can get the best out of their talent and they can you know kind of get the best out of their i mean this sounds crazy to give credit to an organization for for changing reputations of somebody's character but it's very much true when you look at Dion Waiters he was considered you know kind of a, a locker room cancer you know in Cleveland you look at Cantor he was he was not liked at all in Utah he became beloved here so did Dion Waiters so did Nerlens Noel I mean it, it's just it's kind of crazy both on and off court, how reputations from these players have changed. And and you got to give credit. I mean, all the way from the top Presti to the players, to maybe the city and the community and, and assistant coaches, the coaches, it's, it's kind of an all in thing. So, you know, a lot of people deserve credit is I guess what I'm saying. And I, and I appreciate you hiding light, highlighting that with the uh, article you got coming out. So people got to check that out. Uh, last one we'll bring up. I know that you wrote, an article about everybody's favorite new Thunder player, Lou Dort. Can you kind of give us the highlights on that? Uh, everybody check out all of Logan's stuff. It's at dailythunder.com, of course. But uh, hit us with a little Dort. Oh, uh, down to Dort. Yes, he's the cult hero for Oklahoma City, no question. And he's just – he's been such a fun story. Like his beginnings are just crazy. He was a soccer player up – until a pretty late age for sports. And then his friends started playing basketball. So he's like, yeah, why not? I'll try it. And then he ends up being really, really good at it and becomes a five-star recruit to Arizona State, the highest since James Harden. I know another Thunder callback. And then he somehow goes undrafted. He won Pac-12 freshman of the year, and he was quite good defensively as well. And... Whether there was some um, finaglings behind the scenes so he would fall undrafted and pick a team or what, who knows. But the fact that he was undrafted was insane. And then the Thunder got him. And obviously most people think, okay, he's going to be spending a lot of time at the Blue because he's an undrafted rookie and he's on a two-way contract. We don't have high expectations. He's a, he's a fun project to kind of – keep an eye on for down the road. But as the season went on and we have injuries and people coming in and out of the lineup, Terrence is gone for personal reasons, other things. He gets more and more opportunities and he just, he plays hard. He's developed a, a good three point shot for considering what his percentage was in college. Like, and he's plays aggressive defense he just he's proven that he's been a really good fit and he's had a few games or he's kind of gone off scoring for him like he's had a 20 point game here and has consistently been a nice option he's not a liability offensively at all like you have to account for him because if his three point is consistent enough it's definitely not a you wouldn't put him in the three point contest but he makes he makes a decent clip so you have to keep an eye on him and then he has a good vision to where he can roll to the rim and dish it off or take it and make it himself. And he's a decent free throw shooter. And then add to that his 
crazy good defense for a rookie. And he's just been a seamless fit for the Thunder. Yeah, he really has been. I mean, it, it's an incredible story. Like, no matter whether you're a Thunder fan or just a fan of of the NBA in general, because you don't see guys who were undrafted rookies starting for a playoff team. I mean, it's nuts. I mean, it, it's just an, a, a crazy, crazy story. And he's a likable guy. And and you got to be excited about his ceiling. Um, and so, I mean, it's pretty obvious why. Thunder fans are embracing him so much, especially when there's been, you know, he's playing the two spot. There's been so much, you know, uncertainty, we'll say, with the two spot for so long. You know, obviously, Dre was great there, but, you know, you had his critics about his shooting, even though his impact on the court was fantastic. Tabo had some great years, but he he struggled shooting as well. Terrence Ferguson, of course, had his struggles. And Dort, you know, I'm obviously he's he's not even as good as as the first guys I mentioned, uh, you know, even at the worst yet. But you see the potential. It's just exciting to see what he could become, the prospect of it. And I think that's why this Thunder team overall is so exciting when you got Shea and Dort and Baisley. You know, are they gonna catch fire and and take the world by storm like the the original trio of Russ, Katie, and Harden did? Obviously, you know. That's that's a one in a million thing that happens, but it's exciting to see kind of version 2.0 of Thunder U, and and you got these three guys that you know are, are pretty exciting to to follow, and and Dort's a big part of that. Um, check out Logan Meyer. You can uh, check him out on Twitter. Uh, what's your Twitter handle, buddy? Um, L O G M E Y nine two, and then check him out on DailyThunder.com. Uh, Logan, thank you so much for joining us on the Daily Thunder podcast. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you for listening and for supporting the Daily Thunder podcast. If you leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts, we might just read it on the show. You can follow our guest, Mark Medina, at Mark Medina, and you can follow me at Brandon Bar as I cover the Thunder beat. If you subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash dailythunder, you'll receive early access to Daily Thunder content, including bonus podcast segments, the exclusive weekend edition newsletter, and other perks like free shirts, special pricing at local businesses, and lots more. This podcast is produced by Rachel Jameson, and you can follow her at Rach Jameson. But why? Send your questions and feedback to dailythunder at gmail.com and stay on dailythunder.com every day to catch the latest Thunder news, recaps, analysis, interviews, and nonsense.